0: Hey, what's up guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 26. and We're going to be covering Exodus 25 through 27. I'm excited to hop back into the Old Testament with you. And I want to make a note here because it'll get pretty confusing if I don't. So right now we're going to look at the instructions for the tabernacle, which is going to be covered from Exodus 25 through 31. But We're going to get an incident in between, which is Israel sins with the golden calf and God is going to reveal his character in Exodus 32 through 34. But then we're going to pick back up in 35 through 40 and we're going to hear the exact same language, almost similar to what we heard in these chapters from 25 through 31. What is happening, the parallel is there because of this. One In chapters 25 through 31, you have the instructions for building the tabernacle. And in 2, in chapters 35 through 40, you have a record of its actual building. It's being executed. So you're seeing the execution in the second half, and you're getting the instructions in the first half. So does that make sense? So sandwiched in between the two of these accounts is the story of the golden calf, a story of rebellion, and eventual forgiveness. Now, I know we love Jesus, but let's not use Google to teach us about the tabernacle. Use some good resources if you wanna go deeper into this. I'm here to give you a footing so you can understand these texts, but if you wanna go deeper with any of the furnishings or if you wanna go deeper with the tabernacle, use some good resources. And if you would like me, to recommend some good resources, please reach out to me in the comments and I'll be more than happy to do that. But one thing you will need is a a picture of the tabernacle, an accurate picture of the tabernacle. So when I'm talking through this, it'll make sense. Lastly, I know we love Jesus and I've been trying to do a good job of showing you Jesus in the Old Testament in the text, but let's not go into overkill and try to find Jesus in every little detail. Here's Jesus in the lampstand. Oh, here's Jesus in the altar of incense. And oh, here's Jesus in the bread of presence. I don't think that's helpful. In fact, I think that's being very irresponsible and reckless with the text. And we wanna be careful. We wanna see typology, but we wanna be responsible with our typology. So chapter 25, we get a list of the materials that are being brought before God for the purpose of building the tabernacle and related items. And we have to stop and ask ourselves the question, how did they get these materials? Because God plundered the Egyptians and they have had their wealth transferred to Israel. And God takes his spoils and wealth and uses it for his purposes and his glory. Isn't that beautiful? Now, what's the purpose of the tabernacle? We see that here in verse eight, it says that. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. And so that's the purpose. God wants to dwell among his people. He wants to be with his people, which is why you see how right before this, God came down and ate with his people showing, look, I'm relational. I want you to have fellowship with me. And so God intends to be present with his people in a way that he has not been before. He gives the purpose of the people, which is in Exodus 19. He gives the language of the people, which is in the law from Exodus 20 to 24. Now, what do you get? You get the purpose of God in relationship with his people. This is what he wants them to get. What's next? Purpose, language, now you get presence. God wants to be central to Israel which is why we start with the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. What is the only furnishing in the most holy place? This is Exodus 25, verses 10 through 22, and we'll see this. I'm going to go ahead and say this so you can start thinking in this way, and we'll see this again in Exodus 37, verses 1 through 9. The only furnishing located in the most holy place is the Ark. Now, I want you to get a photo so you can see this. There are seven things we need to talk about in the tabernacle. We need to talk about the Ark of the Covenant and the Holies of Holies. We need to talk about the Altar of Incense, which is in the Holy Place. So there's only one furnishing in the Holies of Holies. There are three in the Holy Place the Altar of Incense, the Table of Bread of presents, and the Gold Lampstand. And then outside in the courtyard, you have the bronze laver and the altar of burnt offering. And our only other item we need to talk about are the curtains. You have curtains separating the courtyard from the people. You have curtains separating the courtyard from the holy place. And then you have a veil, another curtain separating the holy place from the holies of holies. So we're gonna start with the ark, which is intentional. The ark is the focus of God's presence and they are to build out from there. Why is that, you think? You start with God. God is going to make this engine move, and everything flows to God. In fact, in verse 21, we see over the ark is a cover, the atonement cover, or the mercy seat. That same Old Testament word, that word mercy seat, is propitiation. The same word we'll see in the New Testament, in 1 John 2, 2, That he not only died for our sins, but he was a propitiation for the sins of the world. This is the exact same word of what happens in the mercy seat. And Israel is to learn that in the holies of holies, in the most high place, in the mercy seat, this is where propitiation takes place. And this is the one who can bring us propitiation and can reconcile us to God. So. In verse 16 and 21, you see the Ten Commandments or the Testimonies will go inside the Ark. So in the Ark, you have the Ten Commandments inside the Ark. You have the Mercy Seat, and this is all in the Holies of Holies. Now, chapter 25 and verses 23 through 30, and we'll see this again in chapter 37, verses 10 through 16, is the Table of the Bread of Presence. Now, the table is made for a singular purpose, and that's simply holding bread. Like the ark, it has a system of rings and poles carrying it. It will be placed in the holy place. Remember, this is outside of the holies of holies. There's only one piece of furniture in the holies of holies. Now we get three here in the holy place, and it'll be placed alongside the lampstand and the incense altar. So we have the altar of incense, the table of bread of presence, and the golden lampstand. So let's talk about the bread of presence. We need to grab Leviticus 24, 6, and it tells us that there will be 12 loaves of bread. Two rows of six are to be placed on the table. And I wanted to bring that in because symbolism is important. Why would God have 12 loaves there? Exactly, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And we're going to see this over and over again. And they're to be set out. A fresh weekly on the Sabbath, and the priests are to dispose of them properly, that is, by eating them within the confines of the tabernacle. So when it says the bread that is in the presence of God, that's not mystical or saying that God is in the bread. It's simply saying that the bread is simply placed before God, and God must give us our daily bread. He must be our sustenance. And then we move into the lampstand. So the lampstand is chapter 25, verses 31 through 40, and also chapters 37, verses 17 through 24. The lampstand and its lamps are made of pure gold and no wood. The Bible really doesn't satisfy our curiosity in telling us what this symbolism means. We can look to certain commentaries to kind of see what they come up with there. But we do know that the lamps does one thing. What does lamps do? It helps the priests see what they're doing if they're working after sunset. So it provides that purpose. The matter of attending to the lamps are important business. But I don't think it would be a stretch to say that since God wanted his light continual, we could deduce that God and his word continually wants to be the light for the priests. And we move to the tabernacle, which is in chapter 26, verses 1 through 37. And we'll see this again in chapters 36, verses 8 through 38. It's only after the instructions of the ark, the table, and the lampstand are given, we finally come to the tabernacle itself. The amount of space and attention given shows that it will be vitally significant to Israel's religious practice. The tabernacle is basically a series of curtains and frames. The curtains covering the entire structure are to be made with fine linen and colored yarn. The the cherubim are to be worked into the design and an ever-present reminder that the tabernacle is an earthly representation of a heavenly tabernacle. Remember, the tabernacle is where heaven and earth meets. This is where God will dwell with his people. The first layer of the curtains must be covered on the outside, by a second layer made of goat hair. And this is most likely to protect the inner curtains from the elements. With it being outside, they are to have two further layers of ram skin and hides of sea cow covering the layers of goat hair. This is chapter 26, verse 14. Now we enter into chapter 27 and we get to the altar of burnt offering. This is chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. And then we'll see this again in chapter 38, verses 1 through 7. The altar is located in the outer court. The altar is for offering burnt offerings, an appropriate act for sin atonement, considering the fact that God resides only a few yards away in the most holy place. We will cover the specifics of these sacrifices in Leviticus. One of his characteristics is a horn at each of his four corners. In Leviticus, we learn... That blood is to be put on the horns, which is a symbolism of redemption and atonement. We also see that people cling to the horns of the altar as a way of seeking refuge in God's presence from harm. And we'll see this in 1 Kings chapter 1 and chapter 2. Next, the court of the tabernacle. This is still in chapter 27, verses 9, and we'll see it again in chapter 38, verses 9 through 20. So the court is a rectangle of about 150 feet north to south and about 75 feet east to west. Now, let me give you reference for scale. A regulation basketball court, the dimensions of it are, are 94 feet long by 50 feet wide. So this thing is bigger than a basketball court. The courtyard's entire enclosure is bordered by the outer curtains. The entrance to the courtyard is to be centered on the east side, 30 feet long. Most of the description concerning making the curtains and the system and the poles and the bases and the hooks are for keeping the structure together. And when the Levitical priesthood is formed, we'll see which of the priests are associated for which parts of the tabernacle. And I'll go ahead and give that away. You have Kohath, Gershon, and Merari. So Gershon will be responsible for the skins, that is to say, the curtains. Morari is to be responsible for the bones, which is the poles. And Kohath is to be responsible for the inner workings and the furnishings, which is why we'll see later why Kohath, the Korathites, the sons of Korah, will start to have a problem because they are so close to the inner workings. It's almost like, why aren't we the high priests? But God didn't designate that, and they're going to start to rebel. Against the designated high priest of the Levitical priesthood. So hold that and we'll talk about it later. Next time, we'll pick up in chapters 28 and we'll talk about the garments of the priests. We got words like ephod, the umrum and thummim, the bells of gold, and the consecration of the priests, and all of the offerings that they'll sacrifice to basically jumpstart the system. And don't forget, we still have two more furnishings to cover the bronze, laver, and the altar of incense. Let's continue to work through this and familiarize ourselves with these terms so that we can can continue to understand how the tabernacle is built, how it functions, and eventually we'll start to see how it points to Christ. Catch you all next time on day 27 as we cover chapters 28 through 30. You guys take care. Peace.